You're listening to the Quince podcast. How did Lord Hanuman, the ejected ISI spy Mehboob Rajput, and Bollywood actor Ritesh Deshmukh end up being farmers eligible to receive funds from Prime Minister Narendra Modi's flagship welfare scheme, the PM Kisan scheme, which is meant to aid poor farmers? In an exclusive investigative report by the Quint, it was found out that scamsters successfully registered for the scheme on the PM Kisan portal using a bank account number, land record details, a phone number and publicly available Aadhaar numbers of Lord Hanuman, Mr. Deshmukh and Mehboob Rajput to receive direct benefit transfer installments worth Rs. 12,000. This despite the government repeatedly assuring that Aadhaar cannot be used to commit fraud. So what does it say about the loopholes in our government schemes meant for the poor? To discuss this in details, I'll be joined by Sushovan Sirkar, who reports on cyber policy at The Quint, and our legal editor, Vakasha Sajdev. You're tuned in to The Big Story, the podcast where we dissect the headline-making news for you. And I'm your host, Shalbury. The PM Kisan Samman Nidhi or PM Kisan is a central scheme fully funded by the Government of India. It was launched on 1st December 2018. Under this scheme, an income support of Rs 6,000 per year in three equal installments is meant to be provided to small and marginal farmer families having combined land holding of up to two hectares. And according to a reply in the Lok Sabha on 9th September, Union Agriculture Minister Narendra Singh Tomar said that a total amount of Rs 94,119 crores had been disbursed to 10.21 crore beneficiaries across the country. But how much of it has actually gone to the farmers who need it? That's a big question. Reports from Tamil Nadu from early in October this year talked about how the Tamil Nadu Agriculture Department busted a scam in which Rs 110 crores were siphoned from PM Kisan towards lakhs of ineligible beneficiaries. And then there were similar reports of irregularities from Assam as well. Following a probe initiated under the orders of CM Sarbananda Sonowal, field officials said that they were able to identify 9,000 ineligible persons on the beneficiary list from just one single district, Lakhimpur. So now coming to the modus operandi of the scam, how did fraudulent activities of such an immense scale even happen? How could ineligible persons so easily register into the scheme? How did they forge fake identities of a Bollywood actor and ISI spy and a Hindu deity and pass them off as valid identities? So Shovan explains it step by step. So this entire modus operandi can be broken down into four steps. Uh, from acquiring an Aadhaar card to getting cash from this PM Kazan scheme. So step number one is getting hold of Aadhaar cards that are available in the public domain. So what are these Aadhaar cards that are available in the public domain? Now many of us submit our Aadhaar for many, at many places, say at a hotel or even the local cable operator will want an Aadhaar card for verification and so on and so forth. Or colleges ask for it, but they don't store it safe enough. And what happens is they store it in open databases, which are searchable on Google. So if you actually go and search for Aadhaar.jpg uh, um, and you do a Google search, you'll find a lot of these Aadhaar cards exposed, which is extremely dangerous, And but that is the reality. So Ritesh Deshmukh, Lord Hanuman, uh, this Pakistani spy Mehboob Akhtar, um, all of them have Aadhaar cards which are available online. 
so these were used to create a fake aadhar card so as to speak um now step 2 now the scamster has an aadhar number now they what they do is they create uh, a new bank account which is linked to this aadhar number uh, and the name of the bank account holder and the name of the aadhar holder is the same so as to um sort of not raise too much suspicion so ritesh deshmukh's aadhar was used to open an account in the name of ritesh deshmukh uh, at dena bank in this uh, village in gujarat so now the scamster has a bank account which is linked to this aadhar card aadhar number now step 3 is applying for the pm kisan scheme now you can go online to the pm kisan website and you can register yourself as a beneficiary so to register yourself you will need a an aadhar number b a bank account which is seeded with the aadhar c you will need land record details of the land where you work uh, as a farmer and four you will need uh, a phone number now once you enter these you can successfully register uh, to become a beneficiary now step 4 is uh you getting verified and you getting approved as a beneficiary for the cash to be transferred to your account so there is a software which is used in most dbt direct benefit transfer schemes like manrega and so on and so forth uh it's called the public finance management system or pfms um uh, and this basically uh triangulates your data checks your data uh to see if your aadhar is valid if your bank account is valid and all of that and once it does um it it approves um your account and that money is automatically transferred to your bank account so this is basically the modus operandi and the scary part is that all of these bank accounts and aadhar numbers and these so called people who registered got approved and money actually got transferred to those accounts which was supposed to be transferred to a small and marginal farmer who needs that money but how did lord hanuman get an aadhar number so i think um what <laughs> it is i mean it is just so so hilarious right that we have a situation where lord hanuman can get an aadhar card and the best part is when that aadhar card was issued uh this is back in 2014 it's not even as though it says lord hanuman but has a photo of an actual person it has an actual photo put there of random of or like you know someone just taken a photo from hanuman from the internet and put that in now so what exactly does that tell us how does that kind of happen now one this sort of was um, back in 2014 um you hadn't had the aadhar act come in and sort of the the new slightly more well put together rules i mean and i say that only in terms of the fact that there were some proper actual formal systems put in place after 2016 uh, but as uh, so shovan will explain to you soon even those formal systems haven't exactly meant much but when we're going pre 2016 it's basically the wild wild west and um, you could basically have this anyone you had if you remember like you might have seen those little small scale kind of aadhar enrollment operators which is random little shop set up all over the place and the idea was they are supposed to do the process properly right they take an actual photo they verify your thing they see your other identity and then on you know once all of that's done they're taking all your biometrics and only then they're registering the card now the whole process of aadhar uh, enrollment at that time was up to these guys so essentially you paid them a bribe you paid them a bit of money and they could pretty much get away with everything now 
should there have been some sort of audit in process which the uh, UIDI itself took, uh, you know, set up? Sure, but at that time we didn't have it. So what could essentially happen was the enroller knows full well this is a fake card, but um, you know they they have the or they have the power to authorize all of this. If you remember, there was a whole thing in um, the Tribune which had found out about this about how they have the power to sort of authorize these kind of things, um, and that's basically what happened here. They authorized. Uh, whoever, so, some enrollment guy sitting in Rajasthan basically was like, yeah, okay, cool, I'll take some money and let this person set up. Uh, and essentially, so all the info goes in there. It'll have been seeded with some random uh, fingerprint maybe. Um, and, and and then you get, the, you get the Aadhaar number. Now, the problem, of course, is that once that's in place, there needs to be some action taken against it. One, as we said, there should have been some sort of audit, which didn't happen. But in 2014, when this news got out, you know, Business Standard did a report on it in 2014. Uh, despite, and the number was supposed to have been deactivated after that, but actually it was still being utilized for setting up bank accounts uh, even later. There's a report in The Wire which went into this in 2018. And of course, now as we found, it was still being used to set up, to, to run stuff on account. There were active accounts for it in 2019. Now this account is, uh, I mean, the, the, the PM Kisan uh, account enrolled with you know sort of registered with this Aadhaar number is no longer operational but it it just shows you sort of the the this is actually an example of just how messed up the whole Aadhaar process pre 2016 was and the kind of vulnerabilities that has seeded into the system because the majority of Aadhaar numbers uh, generated is actually pre 2016 pre the Aadhaar act so it it talks to you about the kind of the scale of the kind of vulnerabilities which potential potentially exist in the system because you could just have these completely random people put in and there is no process to weed out these people even when this has gotten into the public domain. The two-part exclusive investigative report that Sushovan and Vakasha worked on is also available on the Quint website, so please do check it out. But moving on, isn't there a verification process by linking Aadhaar to bank accounts to avoid this kind of fraud? That's right. There is indeed a verification process to prevent precisely this kind of fraud. Now, banks would earlier insist on an applicant having an Aadhaar number and then uh, seeding that Aadhaar number with the bank account in order to perform what is called an EKYC. So, uh, in 2018, the Supreme Court in its Aadhaar judgment said that banks cannot use EKYC, banks cannot insist on Aadhaar because Aadhaar was primarily meant for direct benefit transfer schemes uh, of the government. So, banks or your mobile operators, etc. cannot insist on Aadhaar, EKYC. So now that banks don't do EKYC or cannot insist on EKYC, there is an offline verification method with using the QR code. Now many of us um, have the Aadhaar card which have which has this QR code embedded in the card itself. So the card itself doesn't have any meaning or value. It is basically the act of authentication that you are you is what gives Aadhaar number its its meaning. So what banks are supposed to do is an offline verification using that QR code where the bank applicant is standing in front of the bank, bank manager or whoever the, the bank officer. The bank officer performs, scans that QR code. That QR code will have the photo of the Aadhaar number holder, the name, the demographic details, address, everything. And that QR code will be signed by the UIDAI, which is the Aadhaar issuing authority. And that digital signature of the UIDI is what makes it 
authentic and cannot be tampered with. The moment it is tampered with, it will not work and the bank officer will know something is up. But once that QR code, QR code scan happens and you match the person in front of you with the photo in the QR code, you can perform that verification and see, okay, you know, this is a genuine person. So that in this case did not happen. Uh, that is what experts like Dr. Shubhashish Banerjee, uh, IIT Delhi's computer science professor who has actually worked on the design of this offline QR code. That is what he told us that if this was done, then this fraud could have been prevented easily. But how is Aadhaar being so easily misused? Didn't the government say that Aadhaar data was quote-unquote secured behind five feet thick walls? Yeah, and you know, many people won't believe that uh, that the Attorney General in the Supreme Court, when the Aadhaar hearings were going on in the Supreme Court, the Attorney General of India, K.K. Venugopal, had said that you know Aadhaar is secured behind 20 feet walls. So it cannot be breached. And that led to a lot of memes and a lot of jokes uh, because data security was being equated with the security of actually having a physical wall. But that aside, uh, there are two things to this. One, breaching the, the data of people in the, in the central database where, that is, where the biometrics and the demographic data is stored. So in this case, that data is secure. No one is uh, tampering with the data of people that is stored in the, in the database. But does that mean that misuse of Aadhaar cannot be done or Aadhaar cannot be misused to harm people? Of course it can. And this is a prime example of that where publicly available Aadhaar numbers of people, say if my Aadhaar tomorrow is not stored properly by somewhere that I have given my Aadhaar as an identity proof and my Aadhaar is available on a Google search, we now know that a scamster can use my 12-digit Aadhaar number to do something like this and make money out of it while using my ID, impersonating me to register me as a farmer or to register me as an applicant for a housing credit in the PM Awas Yojana or some other scheme and getting money which does not belong to the scamster and is denying an actual beneficiary the money that a poor farmer uh, should be getting. So I am harmed, the farmer who is supposed to get the money is harmed and the government itself is getting harmed because it is a loss to the government exchequer. So, and that is happening by misusing an Aadhaar. But now the important question is, what does such a large-scale scam reveal about our system? Are vulnerabilities being ignored? What can be done to address them? Vakasha takes us through the gaps there are in the very implementation of these schemes. So, uh, I mean... You know, so Shobhan's now taking you through uh, how this whole system works, right? And sort of problems with the verification system. Uh, I talked to you earlier about the vulnerability which exists because of the Aadhaar system pre-2016 and how that, for instance, led to the Hanuman situation. Now, I think what this tells us is that, the, what this tells us about the vulnerabilities of the system as a whole is that we don't have sound enough architecture when we're trying to create these grand schemes here, right? The scheme itself of PM Kisan is fine. That's not the problem. The problem is the way we're implementing these schemes is not the most sensible. Uh, so, you know, we, uh, Professor Banerjee, as you know, we've already heard uh, Mr. Shoban talk about some of the things that she pointed out. Uh, he pointed out that at, from the very start, if you have a system which is making payments with an Aadhaar linkage, right, with accounts which are linked to Aadhaar, then the bank accounts and the whole verification system, if that is also based on Aadhaar, 
you're immediately opening up a way for fraud because instead of having two potentially distinct uh, you know, sort of verification processes which have to be matched before you agree to actually make these payments. You've got the whole thing is just as one ecosystem, right? And that's quite a dangerous thing. Now, again, the way it's supposed to work with in an ideal world uh, with the offline Aadhaar uh, authentication, with the OTP identification, and even with just the basic biometric authentication, which is supposed to take place with Aadhaar, you should be able to get away with this. But the problem is what happens when at source you've been able to create an account which uses these fraud details. Now, then you need to look at the question of, okay, what are the additional audit mechanisms? As we said, there's nothing of that sort. There's not enough of that sort uh, for Aadhaar in general. And then we look at PM Kisan, you've got the PMFS accepting, um, accepting these, these uh, the registration of these accounts with very little verification process. If the only basis which the PMFS and the, and the whole PM Kisan scheme is using is saying, okay, has this person got an Aadhaar card, which is effectively what seems to be the case here then that's again a complete mess. There have to be more levels of authentication if you really want to have a secure system. Now, this then, the, the, the problem is of course that even if you had a really strong and secure system where you were having, where you know the person on the ground could only register it if they were fully satisfied and they're getting the information not only from the UADI but then matching that information to what you're getting, uh, and you could again audit and, and verify all of that and see how your people on the ground are operating, then again, you would not have a problem. But we don't have that either. So in... Um, in uh, the uh, uh, in a response given in the Lok Sabha, which we referenced earlier from uh, Agriculture Minister Narendra Tomar, he said that, you know, you're looking at even the sort of verification of the Aadhaar number separately along with then what's been submitted to the PMFS, that's being done in 5% of cases on a year-on-year -year basis. That's, that's nothing. If you're doing it at that level, you're going to just have a situation where a person can go through all of this, they get a bunch of payments, and then, for instance, you could even just withdraw from the system by the time the uh, any potential audit is done. And what and what is the information you're having to submit? All the things which which could potentially get you into trouble where there is the UIDI looking at it is just the Aadhaar number. The, the UIDI is not going to sit and verify your, uh, your land registry details. They're not going to sit and verify whether or not your bank account is actually tied to the, to, to the land which you're claiming and assess whether or not you're a farmer. So you're leaving, so, so your whole system is predicated on saying that, oh, we've got it matched to this uh, verification system, but you've not got an actual system which is planning, which, which does any serious investigation. And the PMFS scheme right now and the way it's operating is evidently the problem. Uh, whether it's this modus operandi or you know the other situation where uh, I think for in Tamil Nadu what they had found was that you again were just having these verifications being done by bureaucrats on the ground. Uh, so even whereas you know a valid Aadhaar account and a bank account is there, even where people didn't actually have uh, eligibility for the for the scheme, like you just had corrupt officials signing onto it. And the only way to address that is to start really thinking about how you're building your verification system, not being reliant on just one form, which you think is this catch-all great glorious solution, but actually saying, okay, how do we, uh, you know, introduce some sort of randomness to the checks? How do we introduce some sort of rigor to our system? How do you make sure that you're not only doing, uh, you know, an assessment in 5% of cases? So I think these are the kind of things which have to be looked at if you really want to address these systemic vulnerabilities. And crucially, we have to start looking at saying that, okay, Aadhaar can be useful for all of this, but it cannot be the be-all and end-all of everything, which is how it's currently being treated as this sort of magic bullet which can solve all our problems. If you like listening to this episode, please subscribe to the Big Story playlist for episodic updates. We'll have on Apple, Google Podcast, Spotify, GeoSavan, and most of the other popular podcast streaming platforms. For other podcasts, please log on to the Quinn website and check out the podcast section 
For any feedback, shoot an email to podcasts at thequin.com. Thanks for listening. Log on to the Quint's website and check out our other podcasts. 